Hello everyone and welcome to the Magical Monday Motive A Sean edition of the Kingdom of God podcast. Thank King you for joining me. Uh, really appreciate you being here. We are talking about the Holy Kingdom of Mind, uh, Body and Spirit, the Temple of Man. And I'm very excited today because as I mentioned previously, uh, I don't know, there have been a lot of things in the universe that were really motivating me to start a new podcast. Uh, you know, the universe was just speaking to me, you know, uh, little clues everywhere. You know, on my blog that I've been writing for over 12 years, when I logged in, all of a sudden there was a new advertisement for, hey, start your own podcast on Anchor. You know, every single day when I logged in, you know, and immediately after I had this idea that maybe I should be doing a podcast. And, <laughs> you know... Again, I, I do have a very modest audience here, like, you know, laughable probably to some people, but I want you to know I really am grateful for all of you in ways that you don't even know because I've gone through all of the entrepreneurial stuff with putting yourself out there on a creative venture for the first time when I started my blog and, you know, uh, going from being scared to of what people might think to realizing that, uh, you know, Nobody was interested in reading it at all. And, <laughs> you know, so to start a podcast, I was I was literally expecting more or less the same thing. You know, I was expecting there to be no listeners, at least in the beginning. And it would take some time before there might be a couple of people tuning in to listen to my shows now and then. And, you know, I got to say, there's been like, honestly, there's been a handful of people, like between five and ten people, basically, since the very first podcast that I started and uh you know it's been pretty consistent and that is like a blessing uh you know just to just to have even a small audience here right from day one and i got lots of exciting stuff to tell you about uh the new platform is coming along beautifully my my profile set up so i'm going to be sharing some links with this podcast tonight so that you can check it out it's the unofficial launch okay so basically uh people who read my blog and you right now are getting the preview uh, because it's not officially up and running yet. There's a lot of there's a lot of people involved in this project. It's it has the potential to just be huge, and uh, yeah, um, there have been some developments in my microcosm as well for this magical Monday. There is definitely more magic happening because uh, when people trespass upon me. <laughs> Uh, I, I respond. I don't, I don't take kindly to threats. I don't think anybody should, especially when it comes to, um, securing the necessities of my life, you know, what's going to keep me healthy and, and, uh, able to do things like I'm doing right now, like this podcast. So, uh, this is the magical Monday motivation edition. I've got developments to talk to you about in my microcosm because I received a letter from housing services today. Uh, so this is the package that, you know, I was waiting to have returned to me because they spelled my name wrong the first time. They put it in all capitals. I sent it back to them. I waited a month for them to return the package, waiting to see if they would, uh, you know, spell my name in all capitals again, despite having warned them that I take offense to it and I'll charge them $100,000 if they do it again. But I will open the package under duress and without prejudice so that I can fill out their forms and have them returned. You know, I did agree to do all of that. The forms never came. 
I received a letter today, finally. I'm going to be telling you all about that when I come back from the break and some of the other wonderful things that are going on with the magic of my microcosm and the new Unguru platform. All right, all that and much more coming soon. Stay tuned. All right, everyone, welcome back. And uh, yeah, <laughs> thanks again for joining me for this Monday. So uh, the letter that I received, um, I don't know, it was a big surprise for me because, uh, you know, that's what's today's date, 7th. 7th of June, okay, so the last correspondence that I received by way of email was the 30th of April, nothing at all in May, uh, and I get this letter, it is again, now this time I can tell it's a letter, it's not It's not the renewal package, and I know that because, uh, you know, I'm familiar with what the renewal package looks like, it's big, comes in, you know, the 8 by 11 folders, uh, and it's thick, you know, it's, it's like, you know, a pamphlet of papers or whatever. This was just, you know, one business envelope and you could tell it likely had one at the very most, maybe two sheets of paper and it folded into thirds. And <clears throat> yeah, addressed to Von Den in all caps, uh, Sean. In fact, it was uh, actually expressed in the right order this time. It was Sean first and then last name Von Den in all caps, but uh, nonetheless means the same thing, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't know, I was initially furious about it, and I know that probably sounds unreasonable to some people that may not, you know, have been on this road for as long as I have, but I mean, until you really do find yourself being seriously harmed and accused of ridiculous things like terrorism for writing a book called A Prophecy for Peace. And that's not a joke. That's literally what they were investigating me for. They wanted to find out how many followers I had on my blog. They thought I was like some kind of leader of a cell, of a terrorist cell. Like it was ridiculous. And, and like I laughed in one of the meetings. I was just like, are you serious? Do you even know how insane this sounds? Like, but, you know, of course, they're like stone-faced, right? They don't they don't find any of it funny. They do everything they can to intimidate you. And, and they didn't intimidate you, me because this is just it. I think one of the reasons that I'm not so opposed as people might think I would be to the entire surveillance state or whatever is because, you know what? I honestly don't have anything to hide. I don't. And, and like, I'm not saying that that means I agree with it by any means. I, I don't, I'm not endorsing, you know, the whole surveillance state and, and the, um, you know, selling of private information and all of that nonsense that goes on with the tech industry. I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> I'm just saying that, you know, I think a part of me, because I know that the things I do and the things I talk about are, are so controversial, at least with respect to government. I mean, government doesn't like any dissent toward them. I don't care what country you live in and how much you think they value freedom of speech. Um, you can see that that's why they're trying to destroy freedom of speech in every country of the world right now, because, you know, <laughs> like, that's, that's what harms government is when people are allowed to, like, criticize them. And when, you know, you're no longer allowed to criticize government, you know, you really, really are in trouble. 
I do a lot of government criticizing and, and I would say that, you know, 100% of it is warranted. So, um, I don't know. I like for me, I take comfort in it because anybody who is like investigating my, my phone or my internet, like, you know, to see what kind of things I'm researching, you're going to know it's not like bombs and, <laughs> you know, crazy stuff like that. It's, it's legal stuff and, and, you know, whatever and videos on legal stuff and, and, you know, that's my entertainment really. Like, honestly, is as lame as that might sound, that's kind of, that's kind of my life these days. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I really kind of wanted to share some thoughts as to how all of this is coming together. Like the magic of, of this Monday and why it's so motivating for me is because, you know, um, what I'm experiencing right now is something that is very real. It is something that I deliberately wanted to uh, become a journalist for this purpose. Like, you know, let's just presume for a moment, okay, you know, let's just give the benefit of the doubt to people and the goodness of people and mankind for a moment and suggest that every single person, okay, who is out of work um, and or unable to work is legitimately unable to do so because, you know, there's no job in their field or they have some kind of debilitating health issue that prevents them from, you know, being able to do a 40 hour a week job, whether it be mental, physical or otherwise. Okay. But you know, they're not, they're not able to. Okay. Let's just make that presumption. Okay. Forget about the, the ideology that, that people are just taking advantage of a system. And let's just presume that right now for the sake of this argument, that every single one of those individuals is, is actually in need of the very minimal that they receive in the way of benefits from the government. My goal, taking on this role and basically having this legal standing was that, um, you know, I use King Sean, House of Van Dan, Hannah Stephen, Kingdom of God, one, because it's true in a constitutional democratic monarchy, because the people are sovereign in their natural state. And it's that premise that in fact gives authority to the government. They would have no authority whatsoever if the people themselves were not first sovereign in their natural state in order to give them that authority to govern them. So it's like, you know, I wanted to use it exclusively really for government because I knew I was going to be communicating my my new legal status and my new legal status is not one that should be any different from anybody else's that's the you know that's the other basic premise behind all of this is that it seems absolutely ludicrous to me that an individual can have more or less rights depending upon the jurisdiction of law that they're in are you kidding me <laughs> and it isn't actually true and that's why I'm going to be t teaching a common law course, because the people are in every single court of the world. The people are the authority. Um, it just ends up being that we live in a world where the legal personality represents a position of office the individual is holding. And, you know, this is one of the reasons that I'm going to be 
well, that I've been given this opportunity to speak on this new site because I can break down some of these otherwise complicated ideas in ways that are a little bit easier, I think, for just, you know, common people to understand. And I'm not out of the matrix myself yet, <laughs> you know, and that's just it. And this whole site is about like, you know, trying to keep people away from this, from this, uh, you know, pot of gold at the at the end of the rainbow belief that, you know, if, if you say the right things and you file the right paperwork with your government, that all of a sudden, you know, um, you're going to, you know, live happily ever after with some kind of like, you know, magical key that opens doors that the rest of the world doesn't see or something like that. I mean, that is kind of the mythical end. Um, and there are rumors out there that it exists. You know, some people say it, it, it exists in like, um, uh, I've heard, I'm just telling you some of the rumors I've heard. That I've heard that there's a white card, that, that there's a platinum card, that there's a black card. These are all different types of cards I've heard that uh, people who figure out the matrix allegedly get this card that just, you know, you don't get to own anything, but you get to write off anything that you need for your life expenses and whatever. And the idea of this site is basically to dispel all of those rumors and teach people really like how to, how to just govern the wealth of their own life, how to know the value of their own life, if, if that makes any sense. And, um, I don't know, working with real situations, right? Like I'm not trying to bring any new arguments forth that haven't been presented to begin with. And this is one of the reasons that I never really believed that there could ever be any kind of contract upon me because I hadn't ever consciously made one. Like I could understand it from my mom and my dad. I'm like, okay, you know, they're citizens. And I remember my mom like going to Toronto to like actually do her citizenship. You know, my mother was from Scotland. My father was from Germany. And, you know, I remember her going to do the citizenship and, and you know, having to memorize the uh, Oath of Allegiance and all that for that day. She she did that. I didn't do that, right? Um, you know, that, that was, like, done before my mother was even a citizen. You know? So, like, I wouldn't even, you know, like, she wouldn't even be able to, like, sign me over as a Canadian citizen type of thing if there was a contract there in the first place that did bind a person there or any of that stuff. Anyway, um, oh, there you go. I lost my train of thought. So it couldn't, it couldn't have been that important, but, uh, oh no, just that I was saying that we don't want to get people down the wrong path. We want to teach people basically just how to, how to deal with real life situations. And, you know, this letter that I'm getting today is a very real life situation. And, you know, I've written letters to the individuals within Canada's government who are supposed to know and be authorities of what the registration record means and of, you know, the authority of the court. So they should be able to provide some kind of remedy when somebody tells them that they're no longer consenting to having the value of their life devoted to the public trust that they'd like to have the administrative privileges of that returned to them or you know bestowed back to them and that's really what should happen there is a process for all of that which we'll talk about 
on the show that I'm doing because there are people who have extensive knowledge with what goes on behind the scenes. And it's all, you know, it all seems like it's just kind of a matter of, of acquiescing, if you will, to some extent to their, you know, little matrix of, of how they like to play the game. And I'll talk more about some of the tricks to, you know, real life, you know, real practical situations that people are doing um, by making like an adverse claim on the birth record and, you know, ways that after that is done, they can use, you know, the social insurance account that's associated with that to set up some kind of, a, like, it's a very complicated process because then, you, you know, you do one step and then you have to go and set up a trust with the account members that you've now uh, shown an interest in and, like, yeah, uh, I don't want to even, <laughs> I don't even want to get too deep into it because I don't want to mislead anybody. I'm just saying that there is, there is, you know, it's not like there is not a process in place. Um, it's just something that I don't believe most of the elected officials that are holding positions of office actually know how to do. They only respond to particular, uh, they only respond to the language of their legal fiction, really. So if it's not something that comes across their desk that they've seen before, they're not gonna know what to do. They can't respond with their own conscience like you and I do in a common world if we're writing a letter back and forth to one another. You know, if, if there's any legal implication in that letter or liability, if they don't respond, they just panic. You know, they're like a deer in the headlight. They don't know what to do, so they just ignore it. And they believe because we've allowed them to get away. Like, I blame everybody in Canada. And, you know, truly most countries of the world, I think, are, are guilty of the same thing in different measure. Again, you know, the example or the exception might be like Sweden or Norway, something like that. But, I mean, most of us are just not. You know, we want to have this great system of government and we want to talk about how, how wonderful our um, participation is in that government while simultaneously, you know, failing to participate ever. You know, it's all, oh, sorry, once every four years, whenever they decide to hold an election, that's like the extent of participation of Canadian people on, on the most part. Anyway, so... They write me this letter today. It's again addressed to a character that I know now, and that, you know, it's not a joke. Like I said, it might sound crazy to tell people about this that haven't been down this road, that it might sound a little extreme to get bent out of shape that my name is being expressed with the last name in all capital letters, but it literally specifically defines that legal entity and not just a thing, they're actually defining it as a legal entity that has suffered a de de diminution of status and no longer holds the right to family or citizenship, but the rights of liberty remain unaltered. Whatever, and again, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, I really don't. How, what do you mean, rights of liberty remain unaltered, but I have no rights to family? And citizenship, again, what does it mean to not have citizenship? It means that none of the protections of the law apply to you? That's technically what it would mean, right? So you don't have any of the protections of the law, which means you have no rights either. Okay, so basically the law is above you. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and 
yeah, I don't know. It's it's a ridiculous notion that man can write a word on paper that gives him the right to cause harm to another man and call it a law. Okay, that the right to do that does not exist anywhere in law. And any you know any well versed lawyer would tell you that. I actually heard uh, Robert Barnes echo that sentiment, not at all in exactly those words, but basically, yeah, just like any any code statute or act that is passed that is found to be harmful it can be ignored um and should be ignored and should be addressed and removed or amended uh that's generally the you know the goal so i received this notice i opened it up and i kind of had a feeling it was going to be you know a letter that I wouldn't be happy to be receiving. And I could not have been more correct uh, in bold capital letters at the top, June 1st, 2021. Again, you know, it's just addressed to the same name that was on the envelope, it just opens up. So being addressed is basically somebody with, you know, a legal entity with no rights to family or citizenship. I'm being sent this notice that says urgent final reminder, 2021-2022 housing allowance renewal uh, the Housing Allowance Annual Renewal Package was sent to you by mail in late April 2021. We ask that you return the Annual Renewal Package and supporting documents by June 1st, 2021. Please be advised that we have yet to receive any of the renewal documents required to renew your file. If we do not receive your completed annual review form and all supporting documents by June 18, 2021, your Housing Allowance benefits will be suspended, effective, July 1st, 2021. Yours truly, Celia North. How kind. So, um, yeah. The reason I'm so excited about this and motivated for my Monday, and despite, you know, the seemingly grim nature of that letter, uh, is that this is very literally what I was meant to teach because you know, I'm sure that most people think, and I can't, like, honestly, I can't even probably tell my mother about this one yet. If she reads my blog and finds out, then fine, but I'm not going to tell her I received this letter. Um, because she would probably worry that I am going to lose my housing in, in July. Because, you know, the, the, the ability for me to get a package returned to housing services that I do not even have by the 18th of June is impossible pretty much, even if they sent it today, okay, it's very unlikely it would receive, you know, it would get here by Friday. The mail has been slow ever since the COVID thing started. So it's unlikely it would get here by Friday. I might receive it by Monday or Tuesday, but the chances of that getting back to them by Friday the 18th, not likely. Um, and, you know, that's just being as optimistic and as I can, like, uh, the universe does work out for me, and truth be told, if I really needed to, I would make them pay me, reimburse me for it, but I could probably get a courier there or even go there and deliver it by hand. Like, I'm the kind of person who will do what needs to get done, but I can't return something I don't have. So what I wanted to point out on this call is that most individuals who are or would be in my situation. And one of the reasons I never really expected anybody to take me seriously is 
and often I think many of the times people don't, is because I'm in this situation. I'm in you know receipt of social benefits because literally because the government can't sort out or won't sort out the trust that I was presumed to have placed in them, you know, and it doesn't matter if you want to consider it a financial trust, um, a trust, trust, you know, putting your faith in your trust in government to protect whatever you want to perceive it like a, you know, a psychological trust, an emotional trust, and, um, you know, an economic trust, a portion of your life, whatever that is. Um, you know, I've revoked it and there is, there is an obligation on the part of the government to honor that just the same as there would be in any other situation where somebody would quit a job with their employer can their employer make them stay and work there and that's the best metaphor that one can make really and that metaphor is often made you know that's basically what you're doing is you're just telling your previous boss that you know what i don't need this job anymore i don't want to work for canada and be working for me and the people of the world now and you know for what god put me here to do so thank you very much. Well, there's a way to close out that contract honorably, just the same as there is for an employer to give you your last paycheck and, and any, you know, undue vacation or whatever it might be that you'd accumulated while you were there. It's the same sort of deal. Okay. And the fact that nobody in Canada's government and the highest levels of office have done what they should be doing at this point, four years later, when I'm very clearly asking them to do so in very plain, common, anybody can understand English, is nothing less than negligent at best and belligerent and malicious at worst. So that's essentially why all of the steps that I've taken to get to this part are so powerful and meaningful because it ends up providing a very, very rich story of my efforts to do things honorably, to contact the right members of Canada's government, to write them proper letters expressing to them what I would like them to do and what kind of harm is being done to them as a result of what's not being done. And so, uh, yeah, I received something like this and today I had to take, I'm not going to lie, probably half an hour, maybe an hour to just walk around and take deep breaths because, you know, um, it is kind of infuriating. And to, just to make it that much worse, Celia North does not have an email address on this that I can respond to her with. She's implying, I guess, that I'm supposed to write her back by snail mail to let her know that I don't have the documents yet and that they'd better postpone their decision to give me at least a reasonable amount of time to receive these documents and fill them out if they're going to threaten me. And so what I did is I basically, and I have no idea who she is. I've never had any correspondence with Celia North before. And so the fact that neither one of the two people that I'd had communication with before want to contact me. In fact, even the fact that I've had two people before contact me, that the first person couldn't respond to my legal arguments, decided to pass it on to her supervisor, and then her supervisor ignored my legal arguments and said, look, we're addressing you by this legal title. You're going to accept it or you're going to lose your subsidy. <laughs> I just said, okay, that's fine. I'm going to accept it. I've told you I'll accept it happily. I am going to charge you $100,000 for doing so. 
but I will accept it and I will return the package to you as soon as I receive it. Never received another word from them after that. And that was done by way of email. So for someone else now to send me a letter addressed the way I had specifically asked them not to address me and advising them that it would cost them $100,000 to do so means that they are now legally liable to me for that. They have contractually agreed to that offer by addressing me by this name again without providing me with any protest to that condition from the last email. That's what they've done. And my belief is that they've done it through three different individuals because Celia North is going to claim that she didn't know that I had made that statement, so it's not legally binding upon them. They all represent the same office. And so this is why when I say that what happens is we go into court and it's not that we don't have rights, what happens is that we are actually representing a position of office and that particular position of office has different duties and associate uh, duties and responsibilities associated with it. So in this particular instance, all of those individuals at housing services are responsible to the government of Canada as a whole. So they're responsible to the city of Ottawa, which is responsible to the province of Ontario, which is responsible to the country of Canada, which is responsible to international law. Okay, those are the jurisdictions of law and how they work, and the supreme one is, of course, international law. And um, damn it, see, I lost my train of thought again. Hmm. Oh, well, it's okay. I've already shared wealth of information here. I was telling you about uh. The default, oh, about them using three different uh, people, and, and that's just it. I think they want to try and claim ignorance, but they're all representing the same office in that building. So that's where, like a lot of people say that it doesn't matter that I'm placing these people on notice because uh, those individuals are only going to hide behind the corporate protections of the office if you want to really have any effect you have to you have to go after the individuals and you have to go after their personal assets and liability um, otherwise they're under the corporate protection and you have to go against you know housing services in the city of ottawa well i don't want to go against the individual <laughs> because the individual outside of government not holding that position of office doesn't have any you know external duties or obligations to me as a natural person um, not legally anyway, they have maybe a moral obligation to look out for me the same as I do for them, but legally they don't have any outside of the position, the legal position of office that they are holding with the Canadian government. That determines what laws they are bound by, and that's what makes them especially liable to the UN Covenant on Civil and Political Rights especially relevant to charter protections because these individuals in those positions of office are supposed to be making sure on behalf of the people that any of the policies that are being enforced by housing services or Ontario Works or whatever other government organization it might be, the pension fund, uh, you know, compensation for vets, whatever it might be, that nothing in that 
is trespassing upon their inherent rights. If it does, that act or statute or code or whatever it is needs to be amended and have that retracted from it. So anyway, uh, yeah, so I put another government office today on notice of criminal liability. I haven't actually published the notice of criminal liability to the International Public Notices Board, but I will do that later tonight. Uh, it was done and served to them by way of email. Um, I'm just going to put a link up on the public, International Public Notices page, and I will write another public notice of criminal liability that I'll send to them as well. It's just going to basically rephrase uh, more simplified what has already been expressed in an email, which is available on my blog. And uh, I will leave it here. Um, I've got, we're at 28 minutes and 22 seconds. And one of the things I did want to do on this call, because I haven't started my Letters Out Loud series yet, is uh, I, I want to let you know how I respond to something like this, because I have every reason to be promoting myself on this new platform and, you know, basically this is the kind of thing if somebody is interested in this and filing an assessed KV and making their way in the world. Um, writing letters like the one I'm writing back to Housing Services today is going to be the kind of counsel that I offer on a one-on-one -on -one basis for members that subscribe to me individually on that new platform. So just wanted to let you know that. Um, I'm at 29 minutes now, so I'm going to come right back. I'm going to read my letter to Housing Services, and then I'm probably going to close it with this magical Monday. Uh, stay right there. I'll be back in just a sec. All right, everyone, I'm back. And, um, <laughs> yeah, one of the other things I'm going to kind of disclaim, especially if you are not familiar uh, with my blog or some of the other letters that I've written. I mean, the initial ones were very straightforward, I think, uh, to the point. I mean, they were assertive to a degree, but they were really just being very clear about a position. They were more or less neutral otherwise in nature. Um, my tone has become, I would say, slowly and increasingly more, uh, what's a good word, facetious maybe, <laughs> sarcastic. Uh, um, I don't even know if that's right. Uh, candid, there's the word. <laughs> They're a little bit candid. Um, and probably, I don't know, if, if I was receiving my letters, I would just start obeying the law, like seriously, because otherwise I would be very, very intimidated. I really would. And there's no need to be. Um, it's the legal consequences of breaking those laws that are, you know, that's what gives rise to the fear. So if they just stop breaking those laws, you know, there would be no need to fear. Those words become less fearful because you're no longer, because they're no longer true, right? You're no longer guilty of those crimes. So, you know, 
And that's what people do is they want to like basically project on me and like hate on me and think that my letters are, are being too assertive when really I'm just asserting my rights. And that's where, you know, I feel a lot of narcissistic, um, condescending language and correspondence especially takes place on the part of government service employees. You know, they really, really have this kind of snooty attitude that it doesn't matter what you say. They don't, you know, I may as well just be writing, you know, I don't know, writing a letter to a fish for as much as they seem to understand the legal arguments that are contained in it or, you know, how much they pay attention to them or even in just a regular correspondent that isn't legal in nature where I might just ask a couple of basic questions and they'll come back and they'll answer one and not the other or none, you know, answer something completely different. You know, it's just like, and they wonder why people get frustrated. They have absolutely pathetic common decency and communication skills. And again, one of the reasons I think this is so important is because if it's this hard for somebody who knows the law as well as I do to assert themselves with these individuals, how much harder is it for somebody that is struggling with mental health issues or, you know, physical health issues and, you know, might not be half as well-versed as I am with what kind of rights are afforded to them. Most people have no idea. And if, and, you know, and many of them who do wouldn't know the first thing about how to go about advocating for them, who to write or how to enforce them. And so, you know, now I'm in a position where it's, it's very clear to anyone who's reading anything that goes back and forth between myself and the government, that the government are in the wrong. There's nobody who would ever suggest otherwise. And yet they seem to believe somehow that they are beyond reprise. I don't know if that word's the right word, but beyond reproach, maybe, I don't know, but something like that. There's a word there that I want, but I'm not finding it. Anyway, without too much more of a disclaimer, I'm going to get to my letter of response, but I just want to let you know, this has been going on for four years. They, I've already prefaced the situation and the all caps thing. So we'll just get right into the letter. It was sent at 7:42 PM this evening. Um, the title of the email reads urgent three exclamation marks, all capital letters, and then in regular type receiving threats no renewal package has arrived exclamation mark and then attention again in all capital letters celia north notice of criminal liability all of that is in all caps uh dear christine santa and celia north uh and it's celia north specifically that i'm putting on notice of criminal liability because she's the one who's now making the offense for the second time after their office has been given notice and that's the point I want to make is it doesn't matter whether Santa or Christine communicated to Celia that it was going to cost them $100,000 to address me by that name. If they failed to communicate that to other agents that represent the same 
office, it's the office that's liable and any of their agents. So she's liable. Anyway, today I received a regular letter in the mail from your office authored by Celia North. I would like to know Celia's position and title within your organization and why she is sending me an urgent final reminder for the housing allowance renewal package. I've not yet received a renewal package from your office as indicated by our recent thread of email correspondence as the first was returned to you for addressing me as Von Den Sean, which I have advised you I find deeply offensive to my character as it is defined in Canadian law to represent a legal personality with no rights to family or citizenship as defined by Canada's terminology and linguistics database and made known to you in previous emails. And then I have a quote from the Canadian uh, terminology and linguistics database that reads, the next state of change, Captus Diminutia Media, consisted of a loss of citizenship and family without any forfeiture of personal liberty. I am now receiving a final notice to have the package returned no later than June 18th, only nine days from today's date. Nine business days is what I should have read. That's what I meant, but whatever. It's nine, it is nine business days um, from today's date, and you have not even returned the package to me yet. I would like the following questions answered. Who is Celia North? Number, and I've got these numbered in point form because I'm tired of like posing questions to them and they'll answer one or two, but not all of them, or sometimes none. So I'm putting them in point form and I'm trying to keep every single point to just one question. And I wanna have every single one of them answered. Who is Celia North? Why am I receiving a final notice? Number two, why am I receiving a final notice to return a package I have not yet received from an unknown individual I have no previous correspondence with? Three, how many notices are typically given before a final notice is served? And what dates were the previous notices sent? Please provide proof of delivery service. Four, how do you reasonably expect me to comply with a final notice ordering me to return a package to you that I do not have under threat of suspending my housing benefit. Five, why are you threatening to cause me harm, economic duress, homelessness, for a situation that is beyond my control? Why does your office in six, why does your office insist on addressing me by a legal title that I have clearly made known to you I find offensive and represents a diminution of status in Canadian law? Seven, why do you feel I should not perceive your determination to do so as willful intent to antagonize me? Eight, why are you ignoring my inherent rights and your legally binding international obligations upon Canada under the UNCCPR, United Nations Covenant on Civil and Political Rights? You were clearly advised that I will receive any mail under duress and without prejudice addressed to Von Den Shan expressed with the all caps for the last name and regular for the first name as it was sent to me or any other violation of my calling name expressed in all caps against my will but i will be charging you one hundred thousand dollars per offense for doing so you did not object and you once again addressed me as a legal entity defined to have no right to family or citizenship which is presumed in law to be an agreement to my terms 
Your office is hereby charged with $100,000 for addressing me by a legal title that represents a diminution of status in accordance with Canadian law, offensive to my sovereignty and character. If an apology is not extended to me for your negligence in failing to send the package to me, and a reasonable extension provided that affords me the time to return the package and any necessary documents to you, you will be placed on notice of criminal liability for threatening me with harm I am defenseless to protect myself against. 20 days is considered a reasonable amount of time to respond to a letter. Your office is only giving me less than nine business days to return documents I do not even have yet and threatening me with the loss of my housing for failing to do so. Who are you people? Yes, I am furious. I am tired of your threats, your utter disregard for the rule of law, and your lack of regard for the dignity and value of the people you serve and your apparent inability to understand or comprehend plain English as I have also explicitly told you that there has been no change to my income or living situation since last year and if you had half an ounce of common sense you could simply state that on the renewal package yourself and save me the headache. You are allowing bureaucracy to deprive you of moral decency. If you were able to address me as Sean Von Den spelled properly on last year's renewal form, you are able to do it again this year. You choose not to, presumably to antagonize me. You have lost the privilege of calling me Sean Von Den, as my proper legal and lawful title is King Sean, House of Von Den, Hand of Stephen, Kingdom of God. If you wish to dispute that fact, you check with the city's housing registry office and see what they have on file for identification of my legal personality. Any future correspondence that fails to address me as such will be subject to additional charges. I am asking that the $100,000 be paid out to me before the end of June, along with a letter of apology or a statement of claim will be filed against you, and default judgment for your criminal liability will be awarded against you without further notice to you and published on the International Court of Record at www.bondenvisuals.com. You are hereby legally and lawfully served as notice of criminal liability for harassment, uttering threats, unreasonable for performance demands, undue mental and emotional duress, defamation of character, fraud, and then in brackets compelling me against my will to give life to an artificial legal entity that does not represent me, end bracket, trespass upon my inherent right to freely dispose of my natural wealth in accordance with Article 1, Part 2 of the UNCCPR. This will be published on the International Public Record. Thoroughly disappointed, King Sean, House of Andan, Hand of Stephen, Kingdom of God. And then as a postscript, although I didn't identify it as a postscript, I just kind of wrote underneath. And I don't care what your opinion of my legal and lawful title is. It does not change the truth or fact of the matter. Attached, you will see how a proper legal letter should be addressed to me, courtesy of Canada's Registrar General's office. Learn from the example before I take you to court. Response letter May 6th, 2021 is included with that statement. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I wanted to read that out loud. I wanted to do this show, especially tonight, because um, as you can tell, that's why I need to take an hour and walk around my apartment and breathe deeply. Because I really don't want to see any of Canada's elected officials simply because of their arrogance and ignorance spend 14 years in jail for breach of trust or fraud. 
but that's potentially what these people are looking at and they're treating it like it's some kind of joke gaslighting me consistently by suggesting that their ridiculous housing policies that weren't even established in parliament by the way this is a members of city council get together and decide what kind of rules <clears throat> will determine who allows subsidy so it's not even a it's not even a parliamentary issue this is a city council issue so city council believes that they can get together and make all kinds of rules and conditions and impose them upon people that trespass upon the constitutional rights of canada's people and that's legally binding because they're what they're above the law the city council and the people who are giving out these subsidies they can they can now suppress the rights of anybody who may be in need of those yeah can you tell i get a little bit passionate about this stuff so i don't know um i'm feeling like this is more important than ever uh, I've got really, really great things to tell you about the new site uh, on Guru. We are aiming for the next week, and it feels weird for me to say that now too, but it's true. Um, I can say that. We, um, you know, I'm not just like, uh, oh, I don't know what the expression is, but yeah, I'm, I'm literally like, you know, a part of this, uh, like, yeah, I don't know, I'm as much a part of it as like, almost the owners are i am like a part owner that's what it means to be private membership associations so um all the creators of their content are responsible for their own content uh you know always owning my own content uh yeah i, I don't really know how to explain it except to say that it's it is a lot like the locals.com website that I was talking about on my blog, and you may be familiar with it, where Dave Rubin and people like uh, Viva Fry are setting up and establishing their kind of new social media network. Well, this is a little bit more than just a social media network, and that's why it's not going to be entirely free, because it's actually a service uh, that is being provided, like a training tool and service platform, informational broadcast, whatever the case may be. Um, but it is a community of individuals that share those philosophies within that group and will be sharing trusted uh, brands and things like that, basically, so people can live and uh, interact with the world without, you know, biting the hand that feeds us. Or sorry, feeding the beast that bites us. <laughs> See, I came up with that second part, by the way, or at least I think I did. I don't know. I have a feeling somebody probably came up with it before me, but they never popularized it. You know, everybody knows you don't bite the hand that feeds you. And I came back and said, yeah, well, you don't also feed the beast that bites you. But, uh, you know, that's what we're doing with government all the time. Anyway, uh, that's my show for today. And um, I know that that... Uh, passion comes out in my letters when I'm writing them. Um, they were not always as assertive as they are right now, but I'm really at the end of my rope with some of these uh, service agencies. And I do have more than enough information to walk into court with these people. And that's just it. Like my, my position is not getting weaker as we move forward in the universe. My position continues to get stronger because offices that are superior to that of Housing Services and Ontario Works have already communicated the position of their office with respect to my independent sovereignty 
and they're honoring the position. So it's not going to be likely that an inferior jurisdiction is going to be overturned in a court where a superior authority or level of government has already determined that something is true and factual. It just doesn't work that way. Again, I know that it's, oh yeah, I, I never did get to finish this point on the whole King thing, but that is the other reason that I did it. It's because once you study the law for long enough and you begin to understand that all of it is a fiction, I don't care how just you believe it, a law to be is, every single law that man has made is a fiction of law in some way. Okay? And the kind of things that they do, the little tricks and deception that they do, uh, you know, the little stupid stuff that, that Edward and I were talking about on one of the calls about the capital P on the word province is not, you know, the capital P means it's talking about the corporate entity, Ontario, the, you know, the corporation of Ontario, not the province of Ontario, not the actual organic province that you and I know to be the land and the geographic region of, of Ontario. There is that, there's that land, which has all the people with the common law rights. And then there's also the corporation of Ontario that has all of the service employees working for that corporation. And they're under the corporate policies while the people are under the natural state law. And that's why it was also relevant to me that the Registrar General, when responding to my letter, is not addressing me as a people in a corporate state. She's actually addressing me in the organic province of Ontario, small p. <laughs> uh, and it's funny because, you know, Edward is probably one of the only people that I know of um, that would immediately pick up on that. A lot of people in the U.S. would pick up on stuff like that in U.S. law. But again, there's very few people that have this kind of level of knowledge in Canada that I know of right now. Um, I, I imagine I'm going to get connected with more people because surely they are out there. Um, in fact, I've actually had a couple of personal conversations with people whose names I can't mention yet because they just don't, you know, they're not ready to be out there and known yet. Um, but, you know, I have personal friends in my microcosm that I've had conversations with that I know are extremely well-versed in this kind of thing as well. Um, but those are little tricks that they play. And, yeah, they're not playing any of those tricks with me, and they're not trying to. At the, you know, they're being very, very, like the, when I say they, I'm talking about the uh, Office of the Registrar General in particular, and also the Office of the Attorney General. And those, as far as I'm concerned, those are the only two offices in Canada that I'm really concerned about. Um, the Governor General's office might be relevant, but really the Governor General only comes into effect if... Uh, you know, the people have a complaint about something not being in accordance with Canadian law in the first place. So, you know, it would be more likely that somebody would complain to the Governor General about me being a king <laughs> than it would be that the Governor General would have to, like, do anything. Um, it, it's, it's more of a status position than it is an administrative one, I think is what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, like, she does theoretically sign all of the or he, depending on who the next one's going to be, I guess. Um, depending, yeah, like generally they just sign any bill that goes through the Senate, like, and, and they don't give discretion. They have 
the authority to give discretion and not pass a bill if they believe it's a trespass upon the Canadians' rights. And this is something else I'll talk about too, because I'm not sure a lot of people know this, but it's one of the reasons that I've claimed that Canada hasn't had a real acting governor general for a long time, because if we had an effective, real governor general that was truly representing Her Majesty, like Her Majesty knows what the common law is. That's why she's head of state. Okay. She's not going to tell us because it's presumed that the people are determining their own constitutions with their governments. Okay, but the Governor General is supposed to know. And the Governor General is at least supposed to know if any of the code statutes and acts are a violation of any of the charter rights of Canada's people. That's foremost what she should be protecting. Or he, I keep thinking it's Julie Payette, even though she's no longer. Ha <laughs> ha. And that's just karma. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. God has a plan for all of these people. I'm telling you. None of them, nobody, here's here's my beautiful thought to end this Magical Monday. I just want to remind you all that it doesn't matter what these people are doing right now because we all know right action from wrong action. Every single one of us. And just because an individual is in a position of government does not mean that they are untouchable. And they might think that at times, but... I believe, especially in my microcosm, I believe those individuals are beginning to understand that that's not the case. They're not untouchable and they're not above and beyond the law. And yeah, now I have a very serious situation that I'm going to be dealing with. Well, I've already told you how I've dealt with it. That's how I deal with stuff. <laughs> so, uh, you know, some people might be worried that my housing's going to get cut off. Here's what I'll say about that. If, if they were to, uh, the next stage, of course, would be that I would get a notice saying that my housing had been suspended. I would get a notice potentially from my landlord saying that the payment didn't come through. And then from there, any number of things would have to happen. I would, first of all, have an appeal process um, that would have to be available through the housing services on their own. And then if that appeal process fails, there's usually a second appeal process that one can go through with the city if they don't agree with the decision of, of housing services like they've got all these ridiculous rules how they all get to police themselves right so initially if i file a complaint about the decision they're going to have an internal review meaning that their own organization that made the decision is going to review whether or not they should have made that decision and so if i don't <laughs> and if i don't like the decision that they make the second time around i think i get one more chance to appeal to the city and this is all like before it goes to court and then if i don't like what they decide there then I believe I can take it into court and you know ask them to uh, to look at the matter even more seriously. So I'm a long way before losing my apartment, and I'm telling you I don't even worry about it because, uh, well, because of the language of the letter that I just read to you on this call. Um, I'm going to keep you posted, let you know how they respond to that. I imagine I will hear something in response to that tomorrow. But again, if I don't, in this case, silence will be consent because there's nothing else I can do. I don't have the package to return to them. So, you know, that's all I can do, right? I can let them know that I don't have the package. You're threatening me with something I am unable to comply with. You know, smarten up, stop threatening me, get your act together, get me the papers that you want me to return so I can return them to you because otherwise it makes it look a little bit like they're deliberately not sending me these forms trying to make it look like I'm not sending them back so they can suggest that I was like not complying with what they were telling me to do. 
they're being belligerent and uh yeah i think it's i think it's basically psychological abuse i didn't use that in my uh notice but i could always add that to the list later anyway that's the monday edition for you um i'm very happy to be able to share these stories with you and yeah i don't know i hope i hope it's beneficial uh and I hope that you're having a magical Monday in your week as well, and that you have something to motivate your day. Uh, I'll be giving you more details about the platform soon. Check out the links provided with this post to uh, check out the blog post that goes along with that letter if you want. And that's all for now. Thanks for being here. Have a wonderful evening. Ciao for now. All right, everyone, thanks again for being here. Uh, please do check out the links for the new uh, website, UnGuru. Right now, I'm only allowed to share that with you, my blog readers, and my closest family and friends. Yeah, I'm not allowed to tweet about it. There you go. <laughs> I was just trying to think about how else I could tell people, even if, you know, because that's pretty much everybody I would tell anyway. But um, yeah. I'm trying to let you know that you are getting kind of like a special preview to the site because uh, it doesn't officially launch for another week. There's still all kinds of tech people working on uh, things. And well, yeah, um, I basically just got the login details to my profile the other day. So I'm still going to be having content to upload and, you know, courses to teach and all that sort of stuff coming in the near future, podcasts to produce. Uh, you name it, but it's going to be over there. It is getting done. And uh, yeah, I am very excited about that. And uh, I'm especially excited about that because, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about what kind of solutions are the best ones for the situation that I'm dealing with right now, uh, because I'm not, I'm not going to waste any time on this. Uh, you know, Ontario works is a little bit different because, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to prosecute them criminally. And that's really all it is, I guess. Like that's, that's all it is. The breach of trust is serious. And I have 200 documents by the agent that I was working mm -hmm. with specifically written by her hand. So that's undeniable fraud, no matter how you look at it. Either she misrepresented herself by signing it, or she didn't misrepresent herself when she signed it, and she's breaching that trust agreement by not honoring it. It doesn't matter which way, you know? So that's what I mean. And that fraud is 14 years. Um, and when you're in a position of government service agent, uh, yeah, a guilty charge of fraud means you'll never work in government again, pretty much. So not bondable not bondable after that so um that's why like i'm not an asshole as much as i sound like it in my letters i'm really not i basically assert myself that way to try to stress exactly how serious these matters really are if they're presented to a justice and that's what gives me the confidence is that i know what the law states and i know which laws have superior jurisdiction and authority, and I know what 
jurisdiction of, and authority of law I'm standing in when I walk into a courtroom because of the documents I've created. Okay? The venue where geographically you are standing in the world, okay, is not what determines your standing in a courtroom. What determines a man standing in the courtroom is the standing he brings with him. <laughs> That's what it is, or her, right? So that's my show. Uh, thank you very much. Um, I haven't got my Letters Out Loud series started yet, but that's because of this news today it came about, I don't know, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, then I had my hour of venting and heavy breathing to calm down. Then I wrote a letter of response to Housing Services sometime after that. Then I wrote my blog post, and now I'm doing a podcast. So after this, I'm going to be going to bed. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much for being here. I do love you. Have a wonderful evening. Ciao for now.